Hey, thank you for another great worship set. They have been here all week doing this all week, this team. So thank you, all of you. You know, we all, I only have a couple more days in Carolina, but I've learned something. I've learned one thing, at least. Um, hun, honey, darling, sugar, sugar, sugar baby. Uh, there's another one. Baby, baby, baby cakes, baby cheeks, baby doll. At the very end of the list is ma'am. <laughs> I, I only knew ma'am in California, but I came here and I learned all these other forms of address are appropriate. How beautiful. Why wouldn't you want to come to Carolina? Everywhere you go, they're calling you baby something. <laughs> what do they call the guys besides sir? What, what, do, you, what do you get called? All the same. Well, that only seems fair. I like that. Mercy triumphs over judgment. <laughs> That's terrific. That, yeah, I'm going to spend my last day before we fly back to California. I'm going to spend my last day just going around in public and soaking up all the baby honey something and others. <laughs> take my little recorder and record them all and take them home with me. If you've not been with us all week, you'll, um, uh, we're not going to back up and reprise, so maybe you'll catch it, catch it, you know, partway through by the time we get to the end. It's been Jesus all week long. We're talking about the ways Jesus uses his power. Tomorrow we end with a, an explosion of that, a scene of that. Tonight, it's a smallish synagogue. It's a hometown village synagogue, and Jesus has come home. He's the homeboy who's returned home. He's been out in the wilderness, the 40 days in the wilderness. He's wandered a few villages for a week, for a few weeks as he's making his way back home to Nazareth. He's probably hungry. I, I don't know what happens to you when you come home after being gone a while, when it's finally home and you can just crash, right? You probably want somebody to cook you some good food. You want to sleep in your own, but you want somebody to call you baby honey, something, something, sweetie. You want somebody to do your laundry, you want somebody to tell you how important you are? Jesus comes home to Nazareth this weekend. I imagine it's his mama earlier in the week who realized Jesus coming home, he can, we, we'll sign him up to do something at church tomorrow. I imagine that it's Jesus' mama who says Jesus can read scripture. So they go to church and they're in the synagogue. The Bible, Luke chapter 4 says Jesus reaches for the scroll. He stands up and reads. He rolls it up, puts it down, he sits down. The Bible says people marvel at the gracious words that were spilling out of his mouth. They marvel at what he said from Luke chapter 4. And then this unexpected thing happens. It was going beautiful until it's not. And people begin to stare Jesus down. The King James Bible captures this beautifully if you're following along in your own bible tonight verse 28 of luke chapter 4 and all they in the synagogue when they heard these things were filled with wrath such a great word they're all filled with wrath oh he was sweet just a few minutes ago but now they're all filled with wrath so much wrath they take Jesus out to the edge of the town you must know the story they go out to the edge of the cliff in nazareth and they they form a plan. The faithful people form a plan. They'll push him over the edge. Why not? Let's just kill him. Now, isn't that what you do when you're full of wrath? No, 
don't know. Does it happen that way in your church? Oh, it got personal real quick, didn't it? <laughs> Front row's like, whoa, time out. Yeah, it's the people who just uh, paid their offerings and sang doxology. They got potluck in the trunk of the car. And now they're at the edge of the cliff with Jesus, ready to push him over. The Bible says they are filled with wrath. And every time I read this passage from Luke chapter 4, I go through the same reaction and response. Every time I get worked up, I'm trying to imagine what went so wrong that day that this is the result for the faithful. And how do we learn from that so we don't become faithful that way? In Luke chapter 4, that's our text tonight, I'm suggesting that from the place where we are right, almost nothing else matters. Now, somebody here is going to relate before too many more paragraphs. From the place I am right, you are not. And you should all know. <laughs> from the place you are right, I'm not. And I, from the place I am right, all bets are off. Just get on board with my opinion. From the place we are right, almost nothing else matters from the place we are right. We probably don't have to illustrate it too much further than last night. Were you here last night, some of you? Is it Krispy Kreme or Dunkin'? Oh, say it again. Or it was the, it was the little tangerines. Was it that? Lines drawn. From the place where you're right, nothing else matters. Was it Krispy Kremes or Dunkin'? Last night they had to have both because you all get like, like this. From the place where you're right, is it sweet tea or Pepsi? Be careful, Adventist. Water. Oh, somebody, the vegan in the back is like on it. From the place where you're right, you're going on vacation. Are you going to the mountains or the desert? Well, of course, Carolina. Of course, from the place you were right, are you eating at McDonald's or this place Bojangles? <laughs> Rick, you're having a heart attack right now. You're like, yes, she said my place. From the place where you are right, Rick Jr., you are not eating at McDonald's, are you? No, right. He's hissing up here in the front row. From the place where you are right, when you turn ESPN on on the weekend, you watch a golf or NASCAR. Come on. From the place where you are right, Carolina, almost nothing else matters except preserving our rightness. I hope I'm not the only one with this problem. From the place where we are right, this is what I think is going on. In Luke chapter 4, the word I'd like to use tonight is orthodoxy. Orthodoxy is a terrific word. We usually hear applied to religion and religious ideas. But orthodoxy, a right way of thinking, a correct, true, right way, it applies to all sorts of things like what you just testified to just now. There are orthodoxies that impact everything. Orthodox ways of thinking about all sorts of things in the world. We have orthodoxies that have nothing to do with religion. There are orthodox... Political ideas, yes, orthodox religious ideas. There are orthodox medical ideas, economic ideas. There are even orthodox regional ideas, right, which is why my heart has been blessed many, many times this last week. 
Nobody says that in California. That's a regional orthodoxy. Of course we say, bless my heart, bless your heart, whatever. We don't say that where I'm from. But it's a regional orthodoxy here. Sports orthodoxies, we're not talking about anybody's teams tonight because it's almost Sabbath. We have technology orthodoxies. Where are you, iPhone people? You're snobs, all right? We should have a, when we were repenting last night, we should have included the iPhone people. Can't repent from the truth. (laughs) It's Friday. We got honest all of a sudden. We have technology orthodoxies. That's why when Apple stock was falling all spring, Microsoft was rising. Nobody switched in their iPhones for other things, right? I was in the store a little while ago. It was a grandma with her iPhone. She was shaking it. She was swishing it. She was doing all this to it. I said, what, can I help you with your phone? She said, I'm just trying to face chat my granddaughter. Said, I think you want a FaceTimer. No, I want a Face Chat. <laughs> Did you want a Snapchat? No, I want a Face Chat. And I don't know why I have to carry this stupid phone. My kids bought it for me and they won't let me have my old flip phone back. Because <laughs> her children have technology orthodoxy, right? From the place where they are, right? Grandma will use an iPhone. We have orthodoxies that apply to all of these things. We have, um, yeah, our food orthodoxies are deep and wide. I don't know, your pizza. You like it thin or thick? You want the toppings on the top or in the middle, like in Chicago? You're going to use a knife and a fork, or you're just going to fold it over and stuff it in? Like, there's a right way to eat pizza. Yeah, see? Some people like it that way in the middle. That's, we call that a food orthodoxy. Go to the playground, they've got orthodoxies too. The littlest, tiniest ones just sit on the playground and watch. There's playground orthodoxy also. From the place where I am right, almost nothing else matters except for preserving my rightness. This is what I think is going on in Luke chapter 4. This is how Jesus' hometown weekend goes so wrong. And they end up at the edge of a cliff ready to kill Jesus. Because something happened to the group of faithful from inside their synagogue, from a place where they couldn't be more right in their synagogue worship service. In Nazareth that day, it is not a new thing Jesus has said. It's not some scandalous new theology or scandalous new teaching. In fact, when Jesus reached for the scroll, I think he intentionally reached for this particular scroll. He's reading from the prophet Isaiah. You tell me if you think these words sound scandalous. The spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach good news because the Lord's anointed me, sent me to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the prisoners, recovery of sight to the blind, to liberate the oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. What's scandalous about this? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord anointed me to tell you really great things. If you can't see, you'll be able to. If you are in prison, you're going to be released. This is the year everyone who's oppressed will be free. This is what Jesus read that day. And this was good news for Jesus' people for generations. 
This is the same promise they read when they had their dark, dark, long days in Babylon as prisoners themselves. This is the passage that got them through their darkest journey while they were oppressed in someone else's control. They could remember the words of Isaiah. Yes, their day is coming when the blind will see, the oppressed will go free, the captives will go home. About 400 years before this day in the synagogue with Jesus and Nazareth, about 400 years earlier, this scripture was good news. Maybe just last Sabbath it was good news. But something happened to this day when Jesus read it. Today, he said, is the year of the Lord's favor. Today, which isn't the interesting part of the verse, today something good is happening. There is one author, uh, oh, pardon me, today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. It's the only time we read this in the Bible. Today the scripture is fulfilled. Nowhere else do you read that phrase. If you like Eugene Peterson and the message paraphrase, check that out. You've just heard the scripture. It made history. It came true just now in this place. That's how Jesus ended the scripture reading. You see, I don't think they're offended by Isaiah's words. I think they're offended by Jesus' interpretation of Isaiah's words. If you could hear me, it just came true today, Jesus said. And then the people got a little crazy. Today the scripture is fulfilled Not when I get to Golgotha, not when I get on the cross. Today the scripture is fulfilled, not when I get in the tomb, not when I come out of the tomb. Today the scripture, not when I'm resurrected and you can't find me because I'm ascended to the Father. Today the scripture is fulfilled, not at the second coming alone. Today something is in our hands where God's good news can be experienced, Jesus says. We would understand if we were sick and bleeding that we'd pick you up and take you to the closest clinic or the hospital. That's urgent. Today we would want to solve that. We wouldn't say wait till the second coming. Jesus put everything else in the same urgent category. Today we have power in our hands. The things we've been talking about all week, compassion and mercy and gentleness and presence and patience and honesty. Today We have power for people's lives to be better. And this news made people so angry, they took Jesus to the edge of the cliff. You're going down, Jesus. This is when the crowd looked at Jesus and said, hey, wait a minute, you look familiar. Hmm, yeah, you're that Jesus. You're Joseph's boy. You're the one we raised. Uh, Yeah, we know we knew you. Well, this is fantastic. If good things are going to happen, then let them start right here in Nazareth. We should be in line first is what began to develop in the thinking of the religious people. So they said this much to Jesus. Hey, if it's going to happen, make it happen here. Jesus responds. If you're following a Bible tonight in around verse 23, you'll see this verse. Jesus said to them, surely, now he's talking to the crowds who've gotten angry. Surely you're going to quote a proverb to me right now. You're going to say, physician, heal yourself. You'll probably tell me, do here in your hometown what we heard you did in Capernaum and all around. And then Jesus reaches back into their family history and he reminds them of some stories from long, long ago. 
He tells them, hey, listen, remember when Elijah was our prophet? Remember the three and a half years drought, no food, everyone hungry and starving and famished. We had so many widows who had nothing. The prophet Elijah, he found widows to help that had nothing to do with Israel and our God. And remember the prophet Elisha when there was leprosy in the land and and all these people need to be healed and cured of leprosy. Our prophet Elisha, he picked the army captain Naaman, the enemy army captain Naaman. He reached for a guy way outside of our synagogue tradition. That's who Elisha healed. Jesus reaches into their family history and he begins saying to them, guess what? God's promises are stretching, friends. They're stretching far beyond and that means we'll need to stretch too. It's like Jesus is saying to them, there's enough of God to go around. And the people get troubled. Because from the place where we are right, almost nothing else matters but being right. I appreciated the author who says this about the episode in Luke 4. One author says, you know what they probably needed out there on the cliff in Nazareth that day? Wouldn't it have been great if the Apostle Paul could have just shown up? Wouldn't that be cool if the Apostle Paul could stand on the edge of the cliff with all these angry religious folk and that passage from 1 Corinthians 13 that we all know, that love passage, you're going to hear it sometime this summer at somebody's wedding. You're going to hear it with string instruments and candles and romance and all of that. But when the Apostle Paul wrote it, it was for angry church members who couldn't get along. Isn't that cool? And we use it for weddings. I love it. One author said, wouldn't it be fantastic if the Apostle Paul could show up at the cliff there with Nazareth. And at the top of his voice, the Apostle Paul could just shout out to the people, love is patient. Love is kind. Love is never envious or boastful or rude. Love does not keep track. Love wins. Would the religious people that day have been able to hear it? It is the love we now see in Jesus that will settle these problems. From the place where we are right, this is very difficult. Because all of my attention when I'm right is on me. But there's enough of God in my father's house are how many mansions? Just 144,000? Just enough for the Carolinas? Would you bring California with you? Would you? How many rooms in my father's house? There's enough for all of us. Jesus, the religious teacher, is also Jesus, our personal relationship guide, friends. Most of us don't have to look too far. And don't look around the room tonight. Don't look left or right now. Most of us don't have to look too far to know the person with whom we are feuding. From the place where we are right in our relationships, relationships can be difficult. Jesus becomes our personal relationship guide also with the same teaching tonight. We took a trip a few years ago. We had to be in the city of Chicago, if I remember, Kirby. We were in Chicago. It started to rain a lot. We only had 12 blocks to go, no umbrella. 
uh, we decided we were going to hail a taxi cab. We open the door, we get into the taxi, we apologize to the driver. We're not going very far. We're so sorry. You're not going to make very much money is what we're trying to say. <laughs> He's no problem. Get in, get in. We get in, we buckle up. He begins to drive a lot of traffic, just 12 blocks. He asks us some questions. So, are you dentists? <laughs> no, we're not. Oh, too bad. Hey, why? Well, I like dentists. If you were dentists, I'd give you a free ride. <laughs> so we look at each other. I said, my father is a dentist. My sister's a dentist. Can we get a discount? No. It's kind of weird. We learned later the American Dental Association is headquartered in Chicago. No wonder he likes dentists. He gives a lot of rides to dentists, right? So we're riding our 12 blocks, and he keeps chatting up with us. I say to him, actually, he, he's a scientist, and I'm um, clergy, because it's hard to know what word to use, right? So uh, I'm clergy. Do we get a discount for that? I don't know what country this gentleman was from, some, somewhere far away from where we live. Can we get a discount? He said, clergy. Clergy, what are you? Clergy. Clergy, are you, are you a cleric? Are you holy? You're a holy person. That's where he landed. You're a holy person. Which you don't really know. Do you say yes? <laughs> Jesus is holy. I mean, you, how do you answer that question? Yes. The Dalai Lama, Mother Teresa, those are holy. I, yes, but no felt like the wrong answer also. No, we're not holy people. <laughs> we're about to rob you. <laughs> are you a holy person? Yes, he just fixated on that. So I finally went with it. Yes, we're holy people. Oh, you're holy. Oh, could I ask you a question? Can I ask you a question? Sure. Well, I have a family member, my brother and I, have his, his, and he's the older brother, and we have many siblings in our family. This, this morning, my niece called. My niece is getting married in three hours, and my niece asked if I would come to her wedding, but I can't go to her wedding because I'm feuding with her father, my older brother, because one time, many years ago, we were at a family festival, a gathering, and my brother said, rude, mean, un you don't disrespect your family members in our culture. You don't do that, and he talked badly to me in front of the whole, everyone was gathered and I looked at my brother and said we'll never be in the same place again ever in our lives and I left that was many years ago my niece called this morning in three hours she's getting married holy person should I go to the wedding should I go because from the place where you are right the answer to that question is no Jesus, the relationship expert, would say tonight, yes, you go, which is what I said to the man. That's an easy answer. Oh, it's easy for you, holy person. <laughs> yes, you go, you go. From the place where you are right, hardly anything gets solved. Jesus, the relationship expert, would say to us tonight, from the place where you are right, go ahead and punish your friend and see how that feels. From the place where you are right, go ahead and pay back someone who did you wrong just because you can. 
from the place where you're right. Ruin someone else's reputation because you have the power for that. From the place where we are right. Win the struggle with your spouse. See how it feels just because you won that one. Parents, from the place where we are right, yeah. From the place where we are right, tell our teenagers who's boss. From the place where we are right, make our young adults wait to earn respect, to show us they deserve our respect. From the place where we are right, any teachers in the room tonight? From the place where we are right, our students will rarely be inspired to learn. From the place where we are right, students in the room tonight? RateMyProfessor.com. All right? Don't need to say anything else because we can. From the place where we are right, Seventh-day Adventist church members, from the place where we are right, we are not the most welcoming people in the world. And can I bring the umbrella in a little closer? Seventh-day Adventist Christians in the room tonight, from the place where we are right, conservative, progressive, independent, irritated, whatever you are, From the place we are right and holding on to our own expression of Adventist Christian faith, no one else cares. Because from the place where I am right, I am so invested in being right. This is what I believe is going on that night, that Sabbath day in Luke chapter 4. From the place where they are right, the, peop- the faithful... That's me, sorry. From the place where they are right, the faithful in Nazareth, they have no time for Jesus. Theologian Hans Fry, I like the way he says it this way. Orthodoxy, that being right, without generosity, it's worse than nothing at all. Might as well have nothing at all, this guy's opinion, from the place where we are right. There's a lot to think about here tonight. We don't just change our minds instantly. We've been on themes similar to this all week long. This is the work of Jesus on the way with us, friends. Jesus has the power to transform us from the place where we are right. There's an Israeli poet. He actually is the most awarded Israeli poet, Yehudu, uh, Yehudu Amakai. Yehudu Amakai, any poets in the room? Look at that face. Don't you just kind of want to know what he's thinking? Yehuda Amakai. He's won more awards for his poetry than anyone else in his nation. He, he's, he passed away in the year 2000. But let me tell you about this guy, Yehuda Amakai. He immigrated from Germany to Israel, which would be his homeland. He was born in Germany, but he's Jewish. His family is Jewish. He immigrated back to his homeland and grew up his formative years. He grew up during the time the world was turning very ugly. And he participated in, as a, a young warrior and fighter, in more revolts and struggles and battles than any of us could ever name here. He grows up and he becomes very educated and starts writing poetry. Most of his poetry is devoted to this one big idea. What kind of a world could create a holocaust? Because those were the wars he fought in. 
So most of what he writes addresses that topic. This is his poem. From the place where we are right, flowers will never grow in the spring. The place where we are right is hard and trampled like a yard. But doubts and loves dig up the world like a mole, a plow, and a whisper will be heard in the place where the ruined house once stood. We don't have to begin our conversations from the place where we are right. I don't know why we jump into our conversations and we start with our disagreements and our controversies. We don't have to begin there in conversation with people with whom we, have, we think we have very little in common, especially when all of us have so many loves and hopes and doubts we all share around the room, around the world. Try starting your conversation from a place where we have something in common, friends. Because we share so much in common. Start, try starting the conversation from a place of agreement. All of us can find something we agree upon. It doesn't have to be Krispy Kreme or Duncan last night, right? How about we love to eat dessert together? Isn't it beautiful when we gather and, we, and the pastors bring us donuts and we get to chill and hang out together? How about if we just start there in the conversation? We love to eat dessert together. Christmas. Do you celebrate on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, Christmas morning? Why do we have to start the conversation there? What about we think it's fantastic that families get to gather, we, we give gifts this time of year, we celebrate Jesus. Isn't it beautiful that season? Because we share so many hopes and dreams in common, friends. Start there. Christian, Muslim, Hindu, Jew, Agnostic, atheist, none, nunners, black, brown, tan, white, female, male, young, old. What we all need is love. We all want our families to be well and healthy. We all want safety, security. We all want enough to eat. We all want solutions when our back is up against the wall. We want to know we've got someone in our corner to cheer for us and protect us. All of us want laughter and fun and fellowship in this life, don't we? Look at how much we have in common. Tonight, let's allow Jesus to give us the space we need to go into the dark places, the places where we are right and we're not going to let go. Tonight, could you allow Jesus to go into these dark places, painful places, fearful places, wounded places. Tell the truth. Allow Jesus to go to these places. Someone in your life tonight needs to be released from your grip. They need to be released from your judgment. Someone in your life just needs another chance to be free of your convictions about how wrong they are. I want to tell you tonight, this is not work we're capable of doing. This is what the Holy Spirit does. This is what Jesus does. From inside the Adventist faith tradition, 
we can be safe and secure in knowing that sometimes it's more important to be kind than to be right. We don't have to worry about our truth. Our truth, our truth survives to the end. Truth then can afford to be humble, friends. It's really not then about being right at all. Can you think on these words as we sing our last song together?